everybody, and welcome to episode 500, is it 576? I think it's episode 576 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. We're talking about Monster Kid Radio, and I am your writer, host, and producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show. Thought we'd kick things off with a little bit of new music from High Tide Recordings artist, the Babylonies. Babylonies? Babylonies? I probably should have found out how to pronounce it. Babylonies. I do know how to pronounce the name of the song, though. The song is called Wide Track Weekend. It's from their brand new EP release that just came out this month, also called Wide Track Weekend. Go check them out over at thebabylonies.bandcamp.com and check them out. Let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. When you're done listening to this episode, where you're going to hear me talking about the movie The Flying Serpent with Tom Garganis from Go Forth and Game. The Flying Serpent, starring Lionel Atwill or John Barrymore or George Zuko or somebody. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Plus, of course, it's not an episode of Monster Kid Radio without Mark Matsky's Beta Capsule Review or Kenny's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. At the end of the episode, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some stuff going on with me personally and how it's going to impact next week here on Monster Kid Radio. I just kind of want to give people a heads up. Uh, about some things that are going on with me personally that may alter a few things in the immediate future, near future. Hopefully not too much, but I'll talk more personally about all that at the end of the episode. Before we get into all of that, though, of course, we've got the Flying Serpent and Mark and Kenny and a request. Now, this is not for me personally, but there is a member of the Monster Kid Radio community who could potentially use your help, specifically legal help. We're looking for a lawyer who specializes in employment law in the Milwaukee area. Specifically, employment lawyers who deal with ADA and age discrimination. Again, uh, you know, somebody in the Monster Kid Radio community, if you know somebody in the Milwaukee area, not Milwaukee, Oregon, but Midwest. If you know somebody in the Milwaukee area that you'd recommend, you have some connections that you'd like to maybe offer up to somebody, I, I don't know. I haven't really dealt with a lawyer in this kind of case before, so anyway. Reach out to me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com if you have any suggestions or recommendations. Alright, let's go ahead and get on to the bulk of the show. I'm really excited to talk about the Flying Serpent with Tom and get into the rest of it all right now. I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, plenty of unexpected chills. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. 
coming soon in other ebook formats. Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com and support Steve's work through Patreon at HeySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again. And remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. Flesh crawls. Blood curdles. The coffin hasn't been built that can hold him. Dr. Fives rises again. Fives, wait! Dr. Fives rises again in an even more startling motion picture with a whole new gallery of gruesome gimmicks of torture and murder. See the scorpions embrace. The eagles caress. No, no! The sausage machine. See Dr. Fives outduel his enemies with the most diabolical devices ever created. See Dr. Fives Rises Again, starring Vincent Price as the menacing Fives and Robert Quarry as the evil Biderbeck. Dr. Fives Rises Again, all new from American International Pictures, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Dr. Fives Rises Again. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. The directive is given to pursue the undersea base in the 21st episode of Ultra 7. A shooting star spotted by the crew of a seafaring ship is interpreted as an ominous supernatural sign moments before a gigantic metal object rises to the surface, causing the ship to burst into flames. An interview conducted by Dan and Anne reveals that the crew had described the metal object as resembling the Yamato, the storied World War II battleship. Staff Officer Takenika orders Hydranger 1 and 2 to explore the ocean depths in the area of the accident. Furuhashi, piloting Hydranger 1, spots a silver starfish-shaped vessel moments before Amagi's Hydranger 2 goes missing, and the rest of the Ultra Guard rushes to respond. At the same time, a huge vehicle resembling the Yamato appears in the Bay of Shimoda and begins relentlessly shelling the port city. Dan, flying the Ultra Hawk, returns fire, but is sent careening into the waters below to join Amagi and Furuhashi, whose submarines have also fallen captive to the starfish craft. Paris headquarters identifies the battleship as Iron Rocks, a robot made from scraps of sunken ships, which is more than ready for the arrival of Ultra 7, ensnaring our hero in a set of massive chains. Iron Rocks is rigged to self-destruct, and the chains ensure that Ultra 7 will be trapped in the blast zone, unless he can manage a last-second escape. Pursue the undersea base is heavy on action, underwater effects, and pyrotechnics, utilizing the potent imagery of the battleship Yamato to heighten the dramatic impact. The real-life Yamato and her sister ship, Musashi, were the largest battleships ever built, and became symbolic of the Japanese war effort, sent as it was on an impossible mission and sunk during the Battle of Late Gulf on April 7, 1945. 
To see the Yamato's gun turrets trained on the Japanese homeland here in this episode is an arresting visual, even with the realization that it is merely pieces of the battleship repurposed by an alien force. Receiving quite a bit of screen time in episode 21 is renowned actor Kenji Sahara as Staff Officer Takenika. Sahara helped kick off the Ultra Boom with his starring role as pilot June Manjume in Ultra Q in 1966. Ten years prior to that, he had been cast as the male lead in Rodan, followed immediately by the lead role in The Mysterians. No one has appeared in more Godzilla films than Kenji Sahara, and he was still appearing in Ultraman series and movies as recently as 2008. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Mansky reporting. creature out of the nightmare of time. Spawned by an earthquake on the bed of the ocean, a reptilian earth-shaking beast of the sea. The monster that challenged the world. My tank. My tank. What's wrong? Blake's tank is caught in the undergrowth. Right in front of me. I couldn't help him. Go back. Talk sense. What's down there? I don't know. I never saw anything like it before. It's the size of a dinosaur and ten times more terrifying. Hurling the horrors of the unknown at every living thing. Seven young people shipwrecked on a mysterious island. The island was deserted. Not even birds or animals dared to come here. What did they find? Seaweed, fish, and turtle's eggs. Anything we can eat, as well as snakes and lizards. Just let me finish. There's a lot of grass growing around here. You can eat the roots. You can eat the roots of a lot of plants here. You never thought of that, did you? They were driven to the edge of starvation. Food was scarce, and they were forbidden to eat the mushrooms that grew on the island. Fear and hunger turned them against each other. I'll kill you. But Tango will help me live. I haven't been hungry since I left the ship. Maybe. Oh, help me. Help me. Please. Can't we eat the mushrooms now? That would really be the end of us. 
monster. Can they escape the dreaded Matongo? You'll find out when you see Matongo! Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. I found mention of today's film, The Flying Serpent, in three places in classic FM. The first was in FM 13 from August of 1961. In what was FM's second obituary, we mourned the death of today's star. George Zuko is dead. The British horror actor, who was born in Manchester, England, in January 1886, passed away in June 1960 in Hollywood. He was 74. George Zuko never became a great horror actor like Lon Chaney, Bela Lugosi or Boris Karloff but he did his share, along with featured players like Lionel Atwill, Tor Johnson, John Carradine, to make many a terror movie more terrifying. He was with Karloff in the House of Frankenstein, Laurie in Confidential Agent, Lugosi in one of the Chandu films. He practiced his screen villainy in at least one of the Tarzan pictures, one of the Mummy series, The Mad Ghoul, The Mad Monster, and was chief menace in The Flying Serpent. He will be missed in future horror films, but his image will live on in Friday the 13th movie revivals, Halloween bills, television shock shows and the pages of famous monsters. George Zuko has gone to join Lon Chaney, Conrad Vate, Bela Lugosi, Lionel Atwell, Rondo Hatton, Colin Clive and the other Halloween men who went before him in the Never Never Land Beyond the Silver Screen. There was also a full-page profile portrait of Mr. Zuko with this caption. The recently deceased George Zuko in Dead Men Walk. And it may be truly said of him that, though dead, he will continue to walk the screen for many years to come. The staff of famous monsters expresses regret at his passing. 32 years later, in FM 191, from January of 1983, we find the very end of a four-part article the Alpha Beast of Horror. George Zuko, pronounced Zuko. He was another of the character actors who never achieved real greatness, yet his face graced many a horror film of the 1940s. George was seen in The Mummy's Hand back in 1940, another of the mummy coming back to life movies. George was a mad doctor in Mad Monster, changing a man into a beast. This kind of film was called a melodrama. Not a full-fledged horror film but mildly enjoyable. In The Mad Ghoul, George plays another deranged scientist, experimenting with a life-preserving serum and involved odd goings-on. David Bruce was the ghoul in this one. With co-stars Evelyn Ankers and Turin Bay, both of whom appeared in a variety of horror films during this time. In The Flying Serpent, Zuko was the master of a killer Aztec bird sent to eliminate his enemies. House of Frankenstein brought back Dracula, the Frankenstein monster and the Wolfman. Zuko meddled in the middle of it all. 
In that same issue, a brief report of Larry Cohen's new film, Q, was featured, and it also mentioned today's movie. The monster itself, Quetzalcoatl, is a stop-motion model animated for the film by David Allen and Associates. The legend of Quetzalcoatl, a mythical giant flying Aztec serpent god, was filmed once before, in 1945 by Producers Releasing Corporation. George Hugo starred in the first version, known as the Flying Serpent. Interestingly, Q was originally slated to be released as the Flying Serpent also. The title was changed during production to Serpent the Ultimate Thriller, and finally to Q. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next time. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. Life has many strange secrets. And none is stranger than the curse of the blood ghouls. In the dark of night, they leave their tombs to satisfy their need for blood. Because these demons of the undead can exist only by ravishing the living. Normal powers of love, they enslave the unwary. Don't ever go away. Leaving on them the horrible telltale fang mark of the vampire. Life devouring monsters in human form. They can be anywhere, everywhere. Louise! No one is safe. <laughs> Only by destroying them will a town gone wild with terror and fear be free of the curse of the blood ghouls. Five, four, three, two, one. Blast off for the fantastic Space Age shock show, The Wizard of Mars. Starring John Carradine. The Wizard of Mars. Never before in the history of motion picture technology has there been anything like the frightening new dimension of ultra depth. It's not 3D, it's new. The most thrilling movie experience of all time. The Wizard of Mars dares you to remain seated as gigantic fireballs crash out of the screen and explode over your head. The Wizard of Mars double dares you to remain in the theater as a Martian electrical storm crashes into the audience. The Wizard of Mars triple dares you to retain control of your mind as telepathic creatures attack your brain, crash diving into a thundering time storm to experience the most incredible screen journey ever taken. A beautiful girl and three desperate men against the fury of Mars. The alien beauty of the Martian landscape and the glistening subterranean Martian canals as you ride the rapids into the fiery depths of the Martian underworld. Journey through the valley of fire at the center of the red planet.
Enter, if you dare, the haunted Martian city of the dead. Beware of the ghost-like creatures who refuse to die. Encounter the Colossus of the Universe, the mighty Wizard of Mars, conqueror of a thousand worlds, master of the stars. Witness a battle with a gigantic spike pendulum of death at the center of time. See the Holocaust as two great universal forces destroy the mighty Martian time dome. Don't miss The Wizard of Mars, starring John Carradine as the Wizard, with this great cast at a specially equipped theater or drive-in in Ultra Death, color by Deluxe. This is Count Vlad, but you may recognize me by my more familiar name, Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. In your parlance, you might call these revelations spoilers. You know how the children of the night Ah, I mean monster kids can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned, and don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky Van Helsing. Alright listeners, I have not listened to Kenny's segment yet. Kenny's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland segment set. So I don't know if he called me out on it in that recorded segment, but I do know that he sent me a message after I announced that we'd be talking about The Flying Serpent this week starring Lionel Atwell. Well, guess who's not in this movie? Yeah, I called you out on it in the stream the other uh, week. You did. Yeah. You did. You mentioned it there as well. I don't know it's why I get See, I don't switch up Lionel Barrymore and Lionel Atwell. That's a Steve Sullivan right. thing. I switch up Lionel Atwell and George Zuko, and I have no idea why. Um, but yeah, I, I it's not it's not Lionel Atwell at all, folks. It's, it's unfortunately in in, in the well, no, I mean, no, he's so good. Yeah, yeah. So good. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting your <laughs> uh, your intro. Yeah, uh, no, well, it's all good. Yeah. So. I didn't know if I was going to intro our conversation with that or if I was just going to intro our conversation with Roger, ready to move out. Because earlier today, when I reached out to you to ask you if we're still on, what did you say to me? I said atomic batteries to power, turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. So here we are. <laughs> Welcome here to we the are. next episode of the Batman podcast. You know, it's it's not a hard jump. Considering this movie is a loose remake of The Devil, Bat. Uh, oh, that's as far as I can the go. The Devil, I don't Bat know. I Man. <laughs> I will bet that they probably back in the early Batman storylines probably use something similar to the Devil Bat in the comics somewhere. I, I'm sure it's been used yeah. somewhere. I mean, it, the concept is. I'm sure it's been done repeatedly. Yep. I just can't think of any examples off the top of my head. By the way, listeners, 
This is Monster Kid Radio, <laughs> where we're going to talk about monster movies, and we're going to talk about The Flying Serpent with this week's guest, friend of the show, been on the show quite a bit lately, uh, which is great, good for good me, for me. super flexible and uh, super enthusiastic. It's Tom Greganis from Go Forth and Game, and some other stuff that maybe comes up in this conversation, but should be coming up later this year. Yeah, yeah, we'll we talk some more. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. That sounded like a threat almost. Oh, well, we'll talk. We'll talk some more. <laughs> I have ways of making you talk. <laughs> as long as those conversations don't end with an ominous goodbye, we're fine. No, I'm good with that. No, Mister Cook, I expect you to die. <laughs> Oh jeez! Oh, Let's see, man. we've hit so, Batman, uh, Bell Lugosi, George Zuko, Lionel Atwell, Lionel, uh, Lionel Barrymore, uh, James Bond. Um, we got to get some more seventies in there now, somehow or another. <laughs> so I was listening to this new disco album. No, I, I no. got nothing. I got nothing. Donnie and Marie. That's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. not going to go. No, <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. Come here, Wednesday. All right, so, yeah, it's The Flying Serpent. I don't know why I haven't talked about this movie yet. This is one of the movies that I feel like, I don't want to say it's a standard, but it's a pretty darn entertaining movie when it comes to those that are available in the public domain. That's a good, yeah, that's a good evaluation of it. I would agree with that. Well, and you know, we've already talked, I've mentioned it repeatedly, and I think it's pretty well known. For those of you who don't know, it is structurally very much like the double bat is it a remake i i don't think it's ever really credited as being a remake it's nowhere in the credits no. to say inspired by or no. whatever and i think it's even credited to a different writer it i don't is. remember for sure i'd have to double check oh it, i'm you pretty sure awesome. it is um i did yeah. look him up and i don't remember seeing devil bat in his filmography but i think it was a selected filmography so it may be that it just didn't pop up that was a wikipedia entry same studio. Absolutely. Who was that writer? Same. I think I wrote it down. John something or the other. It came out from the same studio, yep. you know, PRC, so they had the same music, at least, which is pretty common, especially with the PRC right. films. Uh, they would maybe commission music for one movie, and it would turn up in like 10 of them. Yes. <laughs> so... You know, you know, uh, you know. So that's what happens. That's what you do. That's right. You, you know, the audiences back then couldn't go on the internet and listen to it. You know, immediately. Right? You know, you had to have a good memory for that kind of stuff. So you know, three, four, five movies later, it pops up again. John T. Neville, Neville is the author. Um, okay, so let me take back what we said. According to the Internet Movie Database, which is never wrong, he is credited as the author of The Double okay. Back. Makes some sense. As well as a few other interesting-looking titles, like Barefoot Boy and Shake Hands with Murder. Wow. I don't know what any of those are, but I love the t Valley of Terror. I don't know what that is either, but I want, well, we I want some yeah, of that. That sounds fun. That sounds really good. Shake All Hands right. with Murder right. in the Valley of Terror. Ooh, I like that, too. And then there was a very short kind of, I don't know if it's a parody, a remake, a fan film or whatever, uh, of The Devil Bat made in 2017. It lasted like maybe four minutes okay. long. It's super short. Uh, but he's also credited there as oh, well, as he should be nice. if they just yeah. remade The Devil yep. Bat. Yeah. Good. But we're not talking about that necessarily yeah. about The Devil Bat. 
Although we are going to mention it a lot. We could. We, we, <laughs> but we certainly we did, could. It, the way, what, so I, I watched Flying Serpent and uh-huh. then I said, okay, so this is supposedly a remake of The Devil Bat. I'm going to go watch The Devil Bat. So I watched it Saturday morning and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, mostly because of Lugosi. And, but the production value seemed to be a little better. They put a little bit more effort in the Devil Bat, probably because of Lugosi, because he is a bigger pull than George Zuko. Um, or Lionel Atwell. Or Lionel Atwell, yeah. <laughs> or Lionel Barrymore, maybe. Yeah, him too, maybe. I, I... We, we have to find a movie that has all three of them in it. Oh, man. So, but... You know, I can I can see where they're pulling their notes from Devil Bat to make Flying Serpent for sure. Sure. And it's granted sure. Flying Serpent, they didn't spend as much money on it as a Devil Bat, which is, you know, kind of weird saying coming from PRC. They didn't spend as much money. But uh it's still like you said, it's still a fun <laughs> movie. And it's kinda like one of those that you kinda if you're gonna be doing this kind of stuff that we do. Um, you need to see it. You need, you know, I think, I think it's a good one. I think it holds up on its own fairly well. Uh, you know, we keep saying remake of devil bat. How, how is it a remake of the devil bat? So the devil bat, it's a Lugosi film. He plays a guy who, what was it? A perfume or a cologne. Yeah, he's a chemist. Uh, he created a scent and through some dodgy financial transactions, some, oh, all above board, right, illegal. Yeah. He ended up getting the short end of the stick when it came to the money right. involved. And he used his expertise to create a pheromone or a scent that this giant bat that he was able to grow with electricity in a secret lab somewhere right. uh, as, as a murder weapon. You put the scent on somebody and the bat would be drawn to that person and then go back home to its little cage. In this particular case, there's no electricity, there's no perfume, there's no cologne. But there is a beautiful feather that draws the attention of the flying serpent or the Quetzalcoatl, right. which I'm surprised I got to say correctly. <laughs> right, you know, on the first try. Bravo. So it, it, it's, it's the, the setup. The half of the MMO is met, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, instead of being upset and taking revenge, uh, it's it's more about getting competitors out of the way and trying to uh, secure rights to the treasure that's there as well. Right. Come here. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. Wednesday is very attention needy right no now. Problem. So you may be hearing her in the background. I like Wednesday. I'm happy to share I think with you. I like Wednesday. She actually just got, oh boy, here we are way off track. She uh, just got a message on her Instagram from some company who wants her to maybe be a brand ambassador for them. Sweet. I, I got to look into it and see if it's worth right. her while. Yeah. There's no money up front. It's more like, you know, you can get a discount on our products, but we'll see if it's something that she would use. Cool. So, but yeah, she's on Instagram folks. Wednesday potato, just go look her up. She would appreciate the follow. Yep. Anyway. Uh, so we where were we, we were discussing oh, yeah. that you just correctly <laughs> pronounced uh, Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. So yeah, and and how this 
the plot line from the devil bat slides over onto kind of fit over top of the flying serpent. Yeah, you know, instead of sending in some newspaper men, there's a radio right. show producer who's trying to investigate the murders. For whatever reason, I find it a little less believable in this that it would make nationwide news that there's some people are being killed right. mysteriously here. Whereas in The Devil Bat, they make newspaper headlines. It seems a little more sensational and legitimate to me that this rich family is getting off. Right. As opposed to random archaeologist guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Then the... Ran, it wasn't an actual archaeologist, an ornithologist. Random yes, even, even ornithologist more, yeah. and then a, a sheriff, you know, the local yeah. sheriff. But Which, you know, sucks. Yeah, but it not but, national news necessarily. They That was the one thing, one of the couple things that bothered me a little bit is they, the, the, the hypothesis of the flying serpent being the culprit was pushed immediately and immediately accepted by everybody. Yeah. I mean, granted the movie's only 57 minutes long. They got to get to it and they do. It's a short one, but yeah, but it was like, well, you know, there was, there was these things that they supposedly lived millions of years ago. these feathered serpents. Maybe it's one that's held over from then. And everybody's, oh yeah, that's what it is. That's it's got to be that. Of course, of course. Yeah, you you, you jump to that conclusion a little quick there, pal. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it couldn't have been a giant bat. <laughs> no. Don't you know what kind of movie you're in? It's got to be a giant that's bat. Right. Come on. But you know, so well, well, we couldn't get Bill Lugosi back. We had to settle for Lionel Atwell or George Zuko. Yeah, so we'll make it something else. Lionel Zuko. <laughs> Lionel Zuko. There we yeah, go. Danny Zuko's great grandfather. <laughs> there you go. Put Danny Zuko in this movie instead of George Zuko. Oh boy. Wouldn't that be interesting? Anyways. <laughs> make that happen. There's there's the uh Monster Kid poster for it. Oh. It's got Travolta on it instead. I don't I don't have the the energy. <laughs> And honestly, the desire to do a Photoshop yeah. of that, but holy cow. <laughs> but, you know, so the, yeah, yeah, Zuko's the archaeologist. He's the, the evil archaeologist in this who's using Quetzalcoatl to kill semi-random people, maybe. I, I He's got reasons. I'm not completely sure exactly what all of them are except for the first one the first guy the ornithologist guy printed an article that mentioned that the aztec gold might be buried you know where he's doing his archaeology and he was mad because it'd bring in treasure hunters but yeah right. and he's you know already found the treasure by now so so he's just trying to protect his stash right. and and you know unlike what happens with the devil bat and I'm not excusing Lugosi killing anybody. I mean, you just, you don't do that. Right. You know, I feel like there's still a little, best way to put this, Lugosi is seeking revenge. Right. 
which to me is a very reactive act. Yes. Zuko is premeditating. It's very premeditative yes. in this, is that he's he's trying to protect his, his find, and it just comes across as a little more dastardly right. to yeah, me. Yeah, I can see that. It's, it's... I'm not saying that exacting revenge is okay. I mean, especially that right, way. Right, right. But it doesn't seem as... Not quite as planned, because Zuko seems to be uh, anticipating who might act, might might find the treasure and kill them. Towards the end of the movie, too, when the stepdaughter starts needling him about what happened to my mom, right. and she had one of these feathers, too, and then it's starting to get all sorts of just like, oh, dude, you didn't, you just, mm -hmm. oh, no. Yeah. No. So. Yeah, but, but we, I mean, we kind of, and... I know you're playing the spoilers thing ahead of this, but we do find out that the mom was an accidental death, apparently. Yeah. But, you know, not to let a good death go to waste, he he uh, used that information <laughs> to guard the treasure or use the creature to guard the treasure, yeah. So here's another little thing that bothered me a little bit about this. Okay. So the creature's supposed to be guarding the treasure, but mm -hmm. they've got him caged up in a cage that he can't get out of, and the treasure's on the outside of the cage. So I don't, didn't quite understand that. So how is he protecting it if he's actually sequestered away from it, and he can't get out unless somebody pushes the lever to let him out? But I'm thinking too hard about this, I know. Makes sense, though. I see where you're where you're headed with that, but doesn't take away from the fun. Oh no, not at all. I I think okay, I'm thinking too hard about it. With a lot of these movies, I think it's easy to get kind of caught up in the doesn't really make sense, but it really exactly. is in this way kind of yep. thing. And you know, I love these movies. This one's fun. I mean, it's a big part of what we do. It's a fun film. But let's let's be honest <laughs> about what we're it watching ain't no here. Kane. We're not watching this for the, uh, you know, the the in-depth, tightly woven plot and the scintillating dialogue right. and all that. This is PRC um, after all. This is PRC. They're doing what they do. Yep. They're, they're, and they do it well, yep. but... Yeah, it yeah. was interesting. The interesting thing was, um, I looked the director up. The director is listed in the movie as Sherman Scott. But then other yes. places is listed as Sam Neufeld. And when you look that Sam Newfeld up, Sam Newfeld is Sherman Scott. Sam Newfeld okay. is also Stewart, uh, Peter Stewart, and there was he had one other gnome de plume I can't or can't remember, but he would change his name for the pictures so that people wouldn't know that he was making so many of these movies. He he did two hundred and fifty <laughs> films in his career. Most of, almost all of them for PRC, tons and tons of television. Also, like it's, it said, one year he did nineteen films in a single year. It was amazing. So you can see, they're not spending a lot of time, money, or effort on the movie. They're making, they're doing something to make a buck. 
They're putting sure. out a product. And that's what a lot of these movies were. Right. And again, it, it's part of that whole, let's be honest about what we're watching yeah. here. These movies more so than even today, I feel like our product, yep. you know, they're made to, to generate some quick cash and that's about right. it. And while the movie industry is certainly like that today too, it's, it's pretty obvious in movies like this. that that's exactly what was going right. on. Which is fine because you know yeah, what? That's fine. We got some really good stuff out of it. We are. We really did. Yeah. I mean, I, I was looking at some of the other things that he did to, you know, see what he made. He made Mad Monster, uh, Monster Maker, um, White Pongo, and Lost Continent, and The Terror of Tiny Town. Well, I mean, if anybody who made The Terror of Tiny Town. <laughs> yeah. Those are just some of the genre type stuff that he did. Ooh. Lots and lots of westerns. I think I've shown the terror of Tiny I think Town you did. on the stream. I missed it, but I remember that you you did show it once. I might have to you show it again. You may have to show it again. Yeah. Put, write that note down. Listeners, on Tuesday the 14th in the Monster Kid Astronomy Club, Terror of Tiny Town, it's happening. Cool. And it's all Tom's fault. That's right. It's all my fault. You can send your send your hate mail or, to yeah somewhere else. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> we're we're super off target. Um, you, oh, we mentioned uh, we've danced around this and all, so let's talk a little bit. We talked about the plot somewhat. Um, okay. We've hit some of the characters. Um, what's his name, Doctor? Where's he at? George Zuko, doc, uh, Professor Forbes, who's an evil archaeologist. Mm -hmm. um, his daughter, right. his stepdaughter is in there. She plays a pretty um, heavy role. I didn't write her, the actress's name down, uh, but she did a fairly good job. Um, we have the ornithologist who gets killed early on. And then we have the mystery writer, radio guy, Thorpe, who has as a uh, publicity stunt for the radio station, more or less, they're sending him down there to solve the mystery of uh, what's killing these people because, you know, the police can't do that. A mystery writer has to do it. Which, you know... I, I've I, never I, heard that. Yeah, I mean, it's so unique. Although... I, I really <sighs> wish it was something that took... <laughs> okay, follow me here. The mystery writer... Oh, no solving real mysteries this could have been the genesis of murder she wrote there you go <laughs> oh yeah which co-starred julie adams uh, often there you go i'm good at making these links uh, uh -huh. yeah what other, <laughs> let's see what other were there any other mystery writers out there no I think that's, yeah. I think Jessica Fletcher's a direct descendant of this Thorpe guy. But now I kind of want to see Jessica. It would have been better with Jessica Fletcher. I just want to see her doing stuff with monsters. Oh, now. wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, Angela Lansbury was, was, a, oh. she would have been. Great. I mean, she still is. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's still with us. She is, is a treasure. Um, I think she's just getting some uh, recognition with the Tonys right now, too. Lifetime Achievement stuff, I believe. Wow. 
which is awesome. Yeah, she'd be great. She's bound to have been in an old Dark House movie at some point in time. I mean, shoot, I'm sure they did an old Dark House episode on Murder, She Wrote, too. She's getting a Tony Award for Lifetime Achievement in the theater. Great. She's 96 years old. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, we can ask her at the Tonys as she's going to walk it by. <laughs> hey, was the flying serpent, was newspaper or mystery writer Thorpe from the blind serpent your, your inspiration? Yeah, that stopped <laughs> her dead in her tracks. Like, what? No, she'd be like, they found me out. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then everybody, then we get a Blu-ray of the Flying Serpent. You know what? I wouldn't mind a Blu-ray of this. No, not with some really good I, notes I wouldn't mind stuff. a stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I think there's some, some pretty cool stuff in this. I think the monster, yep. the, the, the Flying Serpent, the titular Flying Serpent, you know, it's kind of hard to make out a lot right. of it because it is not the best uh, transfer. Right. I don't know if there is a good print of this anywhere out there that's been transferred to disc or Blu-ray or digital or anything, but this transfer isn't the best. Right. But I think in this case, it kind of works. Yeah. Everything's kind of dark and murky yep. and washed mm -hmm. out. So it's it's got this, this quality, this shadowy quality anyway. Right. Sure, it would be nice to be able to see the brightly colored feathers. But overall, I think the, the flying serpent looks okay. Uh, it certainly looks as good as, if not better than, I'll say it, if not better than the devil bat. At, at least as good, yeah. And the, the flying sequences with the flying serpent look really nice. I was very reminded of Lydecker Brothers' work. Um, Ooh, yeah. Yeah, you don't occasionally in a couple places you'll see wires but not often at all and a lot of times it's that it's a very smooth tracking as if it's you know it's sliding on that typical Lidecker brothers type rig rather than you know being suspended and, and moved on it like a cherry picker or something like that and i think again because the print is so washed out and the transfer is not that great it hides any wires or yes. anything like that yeah so that helps yeah yeah no i i i wrote a note down that they had um the matte shots at the beginning with the temple in the background are well done also uh so the special mm. effects oh. are, are actually pretty decent in this it's particularly yeah, for, they are. for a prc a poverty row film yeah but that matte shot on that opening scene looks really cool it really does and they had it really does. I think it looked out. It looked really well. It worked out really right. well. Uh, and even towards the end, where the reporter is kind of skulking around, and we have these shots that almost seem kind of out of place for a production like this, um, where we see like a medium shot of the radio guy, and behind him are the ruins, yeah. and it, it just it looks really it good. Does. It does. The the camera work on it is nice. The sets, um, that the. the archaeological sets are are quite good um they have a really nice cave set up that's you know nicely spooky with a, a really cool swiveling door uh, they've got some other cliff face work that looks really nice too mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, you know that was it was fun with that 
that stuff like that. There's, you know, there's one or two little things that, that I'm being too much of a purist about on, on that, but all in all, I mean, it's an, a different take on a, what could have been a, like a mummy story. That's what it reminded me of a lot is it could have gone another way. It could have gone was, you know, your typical curse of the per the people who open the tomb and then the Quetzalcoatl is attacking them for that reason. They could have easily gone that route too, which would also made a good movie. Um, sure. So, you know, why PRC already had, you know, the devil bat script laying around and we just go over and take a pencil and mark devil bat out and write flying serpent over the top of it. Mark out <laughs> Legosi and write, Zuko and we're ready to go. Or Barry Moore or, or whoever. Yeah. Whoever. <laughs> whoever they get their hands yeah. on, you know. <laughs> right. Danny Zuko. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really God no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna make a movie poster with that on. No, we'll just hear you see sing Sandy instead. Oh. Wow. But um <laughs> that the neat it other interesting thing was is the monster attacks were done well you know it 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 wasn't it didn't look to me like you know some stagehand off set just threw the monster model at the person and they caught it they it it very much looks like you know they run it down the wire and the um actors just standing next to the wire and, and lets it hit hit them where it should hit them. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing that I didn't remember from the first time watching this is they really play up the vampire part of this. They really do. They talk about it. Like uh, at one point they talk about how the body was practically ready for embalming. Yeah. That all the blood had been sucked nice out. Touch. Yeah. No, I thought that instead of it killing them and, you know, biting out their neck, um, it actually, mm -hmm. you know, feeds on their blood, which, you know, again, kind of ties it back to the mythology, the Aztec mythology a little bit. Um, not necessarily. I don't, I don't know if they did blood sacrifice to Quetzalcoatl or not, but I wouldn't be surprised. I would have to research. Yes. There's, <laughs> I, w I, don't I did know. not yeah. research that far down. So. <clears throat> but no, and again, nice touch. Um, you know, I know I made comment about how we're not watching this movie for like a super tight script or anything like that, but there's some cool stuff in it. Absolutely. Still. I like that line about how the body was practically ready for him. Yeah, that was, that was really a really nice line. And the guy who's running the radio station, why is he talking about the murder? I want to know about the treasure. He keeps it up. There's going to be another murder to talk right. about. You know, I thought that was kind of, you know, it was fun. The pace of the movie really picks up towards the end. It starts out a murder, and then a couple of days later, or a week later, something another one, and then, then we start getting one like every other day, and then every day, and then mm -hmm. they're actually uh, he actually attacks them during the radio broadcast, which was really not unexpected. I wasn't expecting that, you know. Yeah, that that I thought was. I mean, things escalate in a way that again, I keep. I have to compare this to the Devil Bat. I think we have no, to. No, we have to. I'm trying to think, did I just uh, mix that up? 
No, okay. there is that. There's a moment where they're about to cut to an expert on the radio station. Yes. But uh oh, he just got killed. Right. So, whoops. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. With his gasping, dying breath. I have to learn to take this part of these, this era of movie with a grain of salt or, or just accept them. But the, the comic relief in this is there. Yeah. And it's just something that happens in a lot of these movies. It's in the devil bat. Also, you know, the sidekick to the reporter or the writer, yeah, the photographer, the guy. photographer yeah. guy and the, uh, what the technician radio technician guy in this one. I'm getting used to that. I'm still have issues with um, the Bowery Boys and those guys, but I can not a fan of the Bowery Boys. Huh? Not no, I'm not. Okay. Not a big fan of the Bowery Boys. It uh, and it, it's interesting because I watched uh, one of the Doctor Goldfoot movies the other day, and oh, the two Italian guys in those. Oh, you even, watched the lesser. I watched the girl oh. bombs. Yeah, they are way over the top annoying in that. And I was like, well, no, it's worth watching <laughs> for Vincent. I will keep watching for yeah. Vincent. And then I can put it on my list of movies that I've watched this year. Um, I'm not I'm not sure what the genesis of that was. Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine, pure AIP production. Yep. Done over here in the States. Had all the hallmarks of a movie of that era, that sort of right. thing. Cool. Not quite sure how that turned into the girl bombs. I know Mario Bob was. Yeah, I was it. surprised. It was shot in Italy. He directed it, yeah, um, supposedly. Yeah, it's it's we, it's a weird it one. It is. It's very... Um, here we come back to Batman. It's very seems to me influenced by Batman or the monkeys, but not in a but good not way. in a good way. Not, yeah, like <laughs> I don't know how I've been managing to bring Argo Man up in conversation so much lately, but I feel like Argo Man's got a lot of Batmanisms yep. in it. I don't know if that was intentional, but it does have a lot of Batman that, that kind of funky right. vibe, you know. And I dig that, and it works. Yep. Girl bombs. No. It didn't work. And that's a very popular comedy team. Right. Uh, the two Italian comics whose names I'm drawing a blank on. Yeah, I on. can't remember. That's a very popular team over right. there. And I'm guessing that there was probably some kind of package deal. And, you know, because it's shot in in Europe, pretty probably mm -hmm. in, mostly in Italy. Um, but it, I, whatever. It has nothing to do with the Flying Serpent. <laughs> hey, you brought I it know up. I did. You know, this it's also a, a, a contest or a game of how many threads can we chase? How many rabbits are there out there that we can chase? Well, I didn't know that was the game we were playing. And you here. weren't supposed okay, to know. I just revealed my evil plan. Now I must kill you, See? Mr. Cook. Oh, no. As long as you don't, again, lean in closely and say goodbye and walk away after giving me a flower or to me after giving me a feather or a perfume. I think we're right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hey, what's that in Wednesday's mouth? It's a pretty feather. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else can we say? The, I mean, we've we've ragged on this movie, but 
it's only in fun. I mean, this is a fun little quick movie. I mean, it gets to it and and knocks it out and and gets you know gets its job done really fine. Zuko, George Zuko is really good. He's a he's a bad guy. I mean, he's just a bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. He's nasty. He's rude. He's angry all the time. He he feigns politeness and and friendship. Um, you know, and maybe maybe that's another issue that I have with the movie is that again comparing it to Double right. Bat, Lagosi turns on the charm and smiles, and he has a charisma. Yes, he does. He really does. Zuko in this. No. I don't understand how the characters in the movie haven't figured it out a long time ago. It, yes. Guys okay. Yeah, I agree. How, how do you not see this? <laughs> you know, the guy's no well, good, man. Well, the fact of the matter is he's an archaeologist. You're suspecting a mythological creature is doing the killing. Who might know the most about Aztec mythological creatures except from the Aztec, uh, the archaeologist who's studying Aztec ruins. Right. But no, they don't pick it up I very wonder. quick. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, but, and, and, and again, comparing it with Lugosi, Lugosi is like super charming in The Devil mm-hmm. Bat. He, it, you really wouldn't suspect him. The, the, the nice thing is, the one one of the things missing between the two characters in the two different movies is they set Lugosi up from the very beginning as being this guy that everybody loves. I mean, it's in the in the um, yeah is you know Doctor Carruthers is like the the favorite person of everybody in Heathville. They don't do that for George Zuko's character in this. He starts off. He walks on the on the first scene, and he's a nasty guy. Right off the bat, so yeah, you don't like him right off the bat. Not the devil bat. So we already know something. We up. already know something's yeah. up. <laughs> and his eyebrows. And are how his yeah, and his stepdaughter is so like blind yeah. to it. Yeah, but you know. I guess that's somewhat understandable, but I mean, it, 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 there's just different characters. It's just two different movies, you know, and this was a a quick little movie with a, a cool monster, an interesting idea and, uh, a fairly decent cast. I think they all did a, a fairly good job. Zuko's good at being a bad guy. Yeah, that he is. is. And he's done it a lot. You know, he, what was that? Um, he was in, or was he the bad guy in Mad Monster, right? Yeah, with Glenn Strange. That wasn't Lionel that well. Maybe it was. The <laughs> Vampire Devil Bat. That was Lionel Atwell. How <laughs> is George Zuko? Um... Yeah. Here's what we need to do. Okay. There is a George Zuko t-shirt available there in the public shop. I think everybody needs to buy one and just wear that 
everywhere on the off chance that you're going to run into me so that I can remember visually. Oh, wait, you are in George Zuko. Oh, that's right. You know what I mean? Not so, George Atwill. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's, that's. <laughs> Anyhow. You know, the thing is, is that. And I feel like my energy level isn't nearly as high as it normally is today. And it, it it's a Monday. I just had a long work day. It was, it was eight hours of training on the computer, yeah. basically. So I didn't. Yeah, just I'm a little, little fried. So my apologies, listeners, for not being as high energy as normal. Um, it has nothing to do with this movie. This movie I really, really enjoy. Yes. Um, I love the recycling of the music. I love the music from the double back. Oh yeah. It. I reckon In fact, the singer at the beginning oh, yeah. is, is I was like, where have I heard that before? It's one of those stingers that you hear a lot. Well, and I used it for a yes, long time did. here on the show as part of the intro for Kenny's segment. Yes. Look at famous monsters yes. of Filmland. So I used it for that as well. And I mean, it's, it's comfort music to me. I was talking with, um, somebody the other day about music in role-playing right. games and then I'll bring it back to monster movies here um, that I have very a very strict philosophy regarding or, or very strongly held convictions regarding using music during a gaming session right. that you don't mix certain genres you don't some of it's obvious you know, don't play Star Wars music during a Star Trek right. game for example um, there is, and I think it's just something that I've picked up on over the years because I listen to so much of this music all the time. There are certain elements to music from movies like this that just immediately bring you into that low budget, yep. for lack of a better term, campy or cheesy. I, I hate using both of those words here, but that, that style of film, right, yeah. whether you have positive associations with it, like I do, right. or funny, haha. let's make fun of it associations with it, like a lot of people who like MST3K right. and that sort of thing do. And, and that's fine, too. If that's how you enjoy it, that's how you enjoy it. There's no way, wrong way to enjoy right. a movie. Um, the music seems to, and I, I don't know if it's, I mean, I just started three sentences in a row in my brain and only two of them half came out. Let me start over. There's something about this music that immediately keys into that set, that that part of my brain that just wants to sit back, kick back, and have some cop popcorn with these movies with my friends. Yes. And I don't know if it's because I've watched so many of these movies that is some sort of Pavlovian kind of thing where I hear the music and I immediately think this, or if it goes deeper than that. I'd like to think it goes deeper than That's that. That's very interesting because you're right. But it, yeah. it does kind of touch on something. And, and it may be that we have watched enough of these that it does tickle that that nerve of enjoyment that we got from these movies the you know the first couple times that we watched them I mean I get that from the stinger from creature you get that and it's like oh, yeah. uh, or or any of the universal um the the universal sci-fi stuff in particular um yeah. from the 50s has a lot of that in it but it's interesting that for now that you've mentioned that that it's these the monogram 
pitchers and the PRC pitchers and and that kind of level and maybe just a little bit the step up, maybe some of the Republic stuff. The music absolutely puts you in the mood to watch that style of movie. When I heard the devil bat, because because that that little tick, that that couple, those few bars at the beginning that, like you said, that you were using with the Kenny stuff, that's where I remember it from. Immediately go, okay, here's the kind of movie that you're going to be watching. So be prepared for that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, I think you've you hit, you touched on something there. I just, their comfort food. Yeah. It's it's a, it's just something that, it speaks to who I am on a on a level that. I am so fortunate that I found people like you, like Steve Sullivan, like Steve Turek, like everybody who's been on the show in right. the past, to to discuss these movies with and just enjoy them and and just have such a good time with yeah them. yeah um and and whether it's the fact that when i do spend time with people like i'd say like you but i've never actually met you in person so like kenny or steve sullivan or turek or any of the people that i right. see at monster bash there is a part of my brain that is playing music from the devil bat yeah. and creature from the black lagoon just Bubbling around right. in the back there, you know, and you know, it happened 24 seven anyway, because oh, yeah. that's who I am. But you know, I, when I see movies like this and hear music like this and have experiences like this with a movie like this or the devil batter creature, or any of these others, I feel like these movies kind of bind us together in a way. And we are so all over it's the okay. place. And I know that, but it's, this and is I know fun, that. fun and, conversation because we're, yeah, I, we're, we're, talking about monster kids and it's this is something that monster kids know and and like you said we're talking about our community and you're you're right when we are participating together with one in with one of these movies for example on the stream or if if we see it together mm. at monster bash or if we happen to be you know when you go to hollywood or or something like that you're there. It's a whole experience because you're there with your friends, and we're we're able to take this in, and our minds are connecting those t this type of music with our friends and those fun times that we had with them. That's part of it, I think. Yeah, it's the whole experience thing. But what you mentioned at the beginning that these particular movies, the music from them in a lot of cases, not all of them, but in a lot of cases stick and are attached to a, a, a thought or an idea that reminds us when we hear it again or something similar preps us for that kind of experience and we know that it may it, if we haven't seen that movie before for example it may um precondition us in a more favorable way <laughs> to to the movie maybe i don't know yeah yeah maybe maybe 
And there, listeners, you know, the a good philosophy time. of music yeah. in monster movies for you. There you go. Uh, I I think this movie is worth seeing. Track track it down. Check it out. It's in the public domain. Or you could put it on the stream sometime. You know, and I I don't know if I've ever shown it on the stream. I don't think I you know have. From the Devil Bat and the Devil Best Daughter. And I was actually going to show it this past weekend. Um, at least I know I said I was going to, and then I never did. That's fine. So, it's, you know, maybe I'll show the it. Nice point in the nice thing is, is there's one that hadn't been on the stream yet. All right, so here's the deal. Okay. I really hope to get this episode out before Friday night so that okay. people can hear this before Saturday. Because Saturday on the stream, we are featuring creatures, uh, meaning that we're going to have some flat-out movies with monsters. I, I know cool. that's what we do a lot of times anyway, but sometimes I'll try to do something kind of a genre, you know, yeah. it's kind of spooky mystery stuff or whatever. Which no. is great. This Saturday, and I'm not going to say creature features because right. there's argument about who really owns the rights to that phrase, but this will be features oh. with creatures. Excellent. Let's throw this in the mix. All right, listeners. Sounds good. So uh, hopefully this episode goes out in time for you to make plans because on Saturday the 11th on twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio, you will see this movie. You will see what's the, the haunted sea? Creature movie. from the Haunted um, Sea. That would be it. Yeah, yeah you're going to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because there's going to be a really cool giveaway for that. Oh, cool. So, yeah, we got some cool stuff coming up. And then on the 14th. Terror of Tiny Town. Oh, boy. I don't know what we're going to throw in there in the mix with the Terror of Tiny Town, but we'll come up with something. What are we forgetting? We're going to play around with the Classic Five, of course. The uh, Classic Five. The Classic Five. That's right. The Classic Five. We got a literal deck of cards here. Each one of these cards is a this or that. Which movie do you prefer style question on them? There are no wrong or right answers. Just a way to get people talking about their favorite topic, which happens to be monster movies. Are you ready to play? I'm always ready for the classic five. All right. Here we go. Question number one. This comes from the Monster Bash exclusive deck. And while I will not be at Monster Bash this summer, if you are at Monster Bash, please have a good time. <laughs> doubly good time for me. Uh, even though this comes from the Monster Bash exclusive deck, it's not Monster Bash specific. This time around, this question is, Tom, horror hosts, interact with the film or just shut up and show the movie? Shut up and show the movie. Shut up and show the movie, okay. Yep. It, unless it's, at, you know, I like interaction or talking trivia type stuff um, during the breaks. Okay. But not necessarily injecting yourself into the movie as some did in the past. Okay. Spin, I like how Spingooley handles things. A lot. He's the one I've watched the most. Yeah, and I am that close. That close, and I realize that I'm putting my fingers together, like, to say that close, but none of you can see the video of I this. Only it. Tom can. Uh, so he can vouch for me. I am that close to starting a trial for, with that friendly app so I can start watching Svengooly again. Um, wow. Playing some me TV going since I've let, got my cable Let on. me... Uh... Yeah, okay. Question number two. What's your favorite mummy movie? Ooh. Has to be the Karloff. Death. Eternal punishment. For anyone who opens this casket. The mummy. Is it dead or alive? Human or inhuman? You'll know 
you'll see, you'll feel the awful, creeping, crawling terror that stands your hair on end and brings a scream to your lips. There's nothing on earth like the mummy. You will not remember what I show you now, and yet I shall awaken memories of love and crime and death. Now I know his horrible plan. He is going to kill her and make her a living mummy like himself. Karloff is absolutely amazing in that movie. Uh, it he may really be my favorite Karloff performance. Wow. Yeah. He is All just right. so creepy in that. I need to watch some more Karloff, but that's that's way high. We all way, need to watch more Karloff. Yeah. Okay. Card number three. Edward Van Sloan. This comes from the Universal deck, by the way. Edward Van Sloan. Dracula's Van Helsing, Frankenstein's Dr. Waldman, or The Mummy's Dr. Muller. It's either Van Helsing or Muller. Probably Van Helsing. Yeah. Yeah. I do prefer Peter Cushing as Van Helsing. I do, absolutely. But of the Van Sloan characters, that Van Helsing seems like he gives more lectures than Cushing's ever did. Of course, yes. Because <laughs> Cushing's a man in the field, right? Exactly. Yeah. He's Walden. a field scientist. Yeah. Yeah. All right, card number four. What character from a classic monster movie would you like to have a drink or a meal with? <sighs> Not Vincent Price's character from Theater of Blood. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Um, I mean, not I, in a good way. Not in a good way. Um, You know, I'm Anton Fibes because I think he's a connoisseur. Wow. I think we get some really good food out of that. And I don't, you know, I didn't do anything to any of his relatives, so I don't know if that he would be wanting to kill me. So, yeah, I'm kind of in a Vincent Price mode right now, but um, maybe that's what's influencing things. But, yeah, let's go with Anton Fibes. I like it. He um, wouldn't need a whole lot. Good point. All right, fifth question, fifth card uh, from the Universal Deck again. <laughs> Which movie do you prefer, The Monolith Monsters, directed by John Sherwood, or Jack Arnold's Monster on the Campus? It's got to be Monolith Monsters. So good, right? Oh, my gosh. And what a concept. Oh, I love that. Mo oh, there's, no so other, there's no other movie like it. It's so original and, and really well done. So good. Chief, you got to believe me. You're going to think I'm blind. Rocks, huh? Joe? Towers of rock crashing down and then growing up again? Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps a part of the process is the absorption of silica, taking it right out of whatever it comes into contact with, like human beings. Just like Ben. Bodies are turned to stone. What was this amazing power that could turn people into stone, that could suddenly turn inanimate rocks, stones, monoliths, into growing, spreading, expanding monsters, threatening to engulf whole towns and cities, to bury all civilization under an immensity of weight beyond all calculation? 
natural slope of the valley floor is bringing them right down here. And once they break through to the other side of the mountains, there'll be no stopping them ever. Look, all we're asking you to do is save her life. I can't cope with something I don't even understand. Ready! Hit it, now! Fantastic movie. If you have, listeners, if you have not seen the monolith monsters try to find it somewhere and watch it you will not be disappointed yeah it's it's very underrated so good uh the monster design alone something you did not see in anything at no no and i'm trying to think if there's been anything similar since x the unknown maybe similar kind of thing but Nothing with a, a, it's not really a monster. It's just a force of nature in a sense. Because there's, yeah, but it's so unique. I don't know. There, I don't know of anything else like it off the top of my head. No, nothing necessary. Nothing modern comes to mind for sure. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I can't. I can't really think of anything it's, off the top of my head either. It's no Grizzly 2, but it's really, really good. What is it with Grizzly 2 with you people? Keep bringing it up. <laughs> I brought it out once. No, I just, I'd never seen it and I watched it not too long ago. I wanted to see your reaction. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's a movie I have thoughts about. Great. There you go. <laughs> uh, for the record, listeners, um, Grizzly 2 technically never got released yet. You know yep. what? I'm not even going to go down this Grizzly path. Yeah, I mm. almost got you. I you know, almost uh, got you. You know, it's... <laughs> and Charlie Sheen in that? For about five minutes. And 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 George Clooney. And uh, Laura Dern. But, but. But. This Lionel Atwell in it. He's not. It would have been so much better with Lionel Atwell. <laughs> even better with George Zuko. You know, that's the other thing too is I have a Lionel Atwell T-shirt for sale on the T Public shop as well. You should put, you should do one with both of them, like <gasps> facing each other. Oh, <laughs> or put their faces on Blue Demon and Santo. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Tom, where can people find you? Ah, uh, you can find me over at GoForthandGame.com. Heck yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, soon to be a sister site um, coming up also that uh, will tease you a little bit. It's going to be called The Lair of the Gurkasaurus. Wow, you make an announcement about it and everything. It's yeah, awesome. Uh, if I do that, then it makes me actually get off my butt and do something with it. Um, <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to get the website built that satisfies me. I'm, I don't like what WordPress is doing with it right now. Um, and that's mainly because I'm probably not um, very adept with the WordPress stuff. But hopefully, you know, there'll be a Go Forth and Game podcast network comprised of two podcasts. Okay. The Go Forth and Game podcast. And then and this other one. This okay. one. Yeah, it'll be under the umbrella. No, mm-hmm. and, and Derek will be one of my guests mm-hmm. along with Steve. Uh, when that happens, uh, Derek's also going to be another a guest on another show that's going to focus on Robert E. Howard, which we need to talk about at some point in time. Heck yeah. 
So the the when the podcast arrives later this year, it will be about monsters and not just movie monsters, not just monster movies, but I'm going to we're going to talk about horror in um, we're merging go forth in game into it somewhat. We'll be talking about gaming a lot. Um, I'm going to talk about lore and monsters in literature, um, in mythology. We're going to talk about cryptids and, you know, just monsters all over the place. It's going to be dripping with monsters. Dripping with monsters. Now, that see, that, might be the tagline. That's your slogan right there, dude. That's Yep. <laughs> dripping with monsters. I'm writing it down because I forget it. I'm like, I'm seeing a picture in my brain of what the logo could look like. I mean, that that's. I've already got the logo designed in my oh, brain. Yeah? I, I actually designed the logo like 15 or 16 years ago and just never had any way. I was, it's a, just a doodle that I came up with and I really, really liked it. I lost it. It's in my brain. And now I've got to retrain my hand on how to draw it out. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. It's very simple. Um, but yeah, that's where, where we're going. I, you know, the monster kid is roaring inside me and wants to get out and talk about monster stuff more. Mm-hmm. And so the stream is a great place to do that. And I've met a lot of people on there, some of who are going to be on the show. I talked to Steve Bowen on Saturday during the stream. Steve's oh, right going to come on and be on the podcast. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we're going to try to go to some of the Carolina theater Yeah, because you guys shows. like live like right down the street from each other. Yeah, so that's and awesome. we're like this, we're like the same age too. We graduated high school the same year. Oh, that's so fantastic, man! We're we're going to try to get together, maybe do some live recording like you do when you were doing with uh, Wednesday, Weird Wednesday kind of thing. Right on, dude. Um, and some other stuff. Micah Harris, of course, is going to be coming on. He's a my oldest friend, probably. And really, really fed my monster. He's the one that introduced me to Santo back in college. Okay. So when I can remember going to his house and watching Santo versus the vampire women. Yeah, you know, so that's that's where we're going. We're, I'm getting way off of target on this. but So that's where you can find me right now is GoForthInGame.com or at Tom Gerg on Twitter. I'm on there all the time. Also, uh, Tom Gerg on Facebook, too. Well, here we are at the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Once again, as always, thank you for being here. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for downloading the show and sharing it with your friends and family. Thanks for just being part of the Monster Kid Radio community. I appreciate you. I really do. I know that lately I have had a hard time getting this show out on time. And, well, let's talk about that. So, I've talked a little bit about this openly on Facebook. I've got some health and some financial issues that I'm dealing with right now. I don't want to get into too many details, but I think you may even hear it or notice it as you listen to episodes of the podcast. I've been dealing with some health issues lately and I'll be open about it. You know, I, I'm fine with sharing this with everybody. I have had some issues where I have some periods of just extreme fatigue, like to the point of where I'm sitting here editing a podcast and I pass out falling asleep. I've had periods where 
my words start to slur a little bit. Um, probably pick up on some of that in the podcast as well. So there have been some things that have gone out in the edit that shouldn't have gone out in the edit. Uh, there have been some issues with some of my words not being as clear as they used to be. I have been seen by a doctor. No, they don't think it's a stroke. Yes, I'm still getting an MRI. So I just want to share that with everybody and let everybody know what's going on with me. Financially, you know, I don't want to talk too much about how I ended up here other than choices were made, mistakes were made, lots of misunderstandings were made, partly because of the extreme brain fog that I've been having lately. And uh, yeah, so things are a little weird for me right now. And obviously that's been affecting the podcast. It's been going on for several weeks now. Some parts of my life are amazing, but the medical part of it, the financial part of it, not so much. Additionally, I've been having some physical issues with some of my joints. My fingers have been swelling quite a bit. Uh, my ankles have been swelling quite a bit. I might have some various deficiencies that need to be dealt with. Again, I'm seeing a doctor for all this, and I'm not bringing this up to scare anybody, and I'm not bringing this up to get anybody concerned or, or feeling like they've got to do something to help me, that sort of thing. It's less about that and more about me just wanting to make sure that I'm being honest with everybody about what's going on with me here at Monster Kid Radio and Monster Rally Media. It's taking a toll on me emotionally, and it's really wearing me out. It's starting to impact my job, which is another concern altogether. On top of that, it has impacted my ability to do some of the other things that I enjoy doing. And it's a little scary, to be completely honest. Again, and I know I've said this repeatedly now, I'm going to reiterate, I am seeing a doctor. I am seeing somebody about this. I do have an MRI, have some more blood tests coming up. I've got all sorts of things going on. However, I do feel like I need to take a break from a lot of things, and I have to take a break next week from Monster Kid Radio. There will be a Monster Kid Movie Club movie stream Tuesday, the Monster Kid Astronomy Club. It's still going to go. I just have to take a week off from producing the podcast and maybe I can get back on track and start putting episodes out again earlier than late Friday night, early Saturday morning. I just need to take a week off next week, everybody. I just want to throw that out there. I hope you're okay with that and you'll still be here when the next episode of Monster Kid Radio comes out. If you want to keep up to date with everything going on with Monster Kid Radio, monsterkidradio.net is where you're going to want to do that. We also are on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Discord, Patreon, YouTube. Uh, what else? I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. So that's where you can keep up with us here on Monster Kid Radio with everything going on with me and the podcast in particular. Do pay attention to the Facebook page and Twitter because one of the things I'm going to be doing this upcoming week is putting a bunch of stuff up on eBay to help deal with some of the financial stuff I'm dealing with right now. And I'll make sure that I post announcements there about things that are going out on eBay. I'll tell you this, I'm going to be putting a number of books out there, some of the nonfiction monster books that I have here. It's time for them to find a new home. Hopefully you have room for them on your bookshelf. Anyway, between now and the next episode of Monster Kid Radio, please know that I appreciate you so much. You mean the world to me. Monster Kid Radio has brought me so much joy. 
And I just, I love doing what I do. And I love that y'all are there for me. I will be back in about a week and a half here on the podcast. But again, on Twitch, you can always find us there too when we're doing the movie streams. Until Monster Kid Radio returns, Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Wide Track Weekend. That belongs to the Babylonies that you can find over at thebabylonies.bandcamp.com. Check out their new EP release, Wide Track Weekend. It is copyright 2022. My name is Sarah Kim Cook. I'll talk to everybody in about a week and a half. Ciao.